And this is Martin Strong in for Shane. And uh, in most parts of Canada, it's Friday or almost Friday. And uh, that means there's some television to watch, some movies. And it's time for What the Hell Should I Watch This Weekend? With our guest, Steve Stebbing. Hi, Steve. Hey, Martin. How are you doing? I'm really good. I should mention stevestebbing.ca is where uh, Steve lives on the net. He's a national film critic. And I guess, Steve, this is a good time of year for you, for you because all the great stuff's coming out now. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is uh, basically where the award season is sort of kicking off. I mean, it followed like my favorite month being October for all the horror movies. Of course, the listeners all know that. But yeah, now we're get, we get entrenched with uh, what's going to going to going to be getting all the accolades uh, early next year. So uh, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. So you have a, a list. We'll we'll start with some stuff that's that's streaming on television. And I'm looking at this list of movies, and these are all movies that normally. If it was 20 years ago or 10 years ago, these would be blockbusters in the theater, but now they're straight to streaming, a lot of them. But uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Starting with uh, Enola Holmes 2. I'm looking for a girl. She worked at the match factory. Enola Holmes. She's a detective. Looks like she blow over in the wind. She discovered something that powerful people want to hide, and it's deadly. Sherlock, why are you here? Is it my case or your own? Both. Seems our cases are connected. The game has had its feet again. Some more young adult fiction. Yes. It works well in the theaters, Steve. And uh, does this one work well? I let's see. I really liked the first film. I think it was a, a really uh, cool move for Millie Bobby Brown to kind of uh, separate from herself from Stranger Things and do something new. And it was fun. It was exhilarating and. Part two picks up with the same feeling. It has that that fun uh, fourth wall breaking that Enola does the whole film. And you have Henry Cavill playing Sherlock Holmes in this one, who's a lot of fun as well. And yeah, I mean, it's just some of that crowd pleasing, uh, fast paced feeling uh, like mystery action. Like I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and you compare this to the way Guy Ritchie sort of breathes some life into uh, the Sherlock Holmes movies. Yeah, I mean, there, it, it punches it up a bit. Uh, the cinematography is really flashy and uh, doing a lot of uh, a lot of, of interesting things to to, to uh, kind of transition between scenes and everything. And like I said, the way that they handle Enola breaking the fourth wall, because she's talking to you as the audience the whole time, like you're on kind of on this adventure with her, and she completely acknowledges that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Millie's so freaking charming and, uh, yeah, she pulls it off. Like without her, uh, this movie doesn't work. Right. And where is this streaming? This is on Netflix. Both movies are on Netflix now. If you haven't seen the first one. Right. Enola Holmes too. And the next one we're going to talk about now, this one is a, is a classic example of a movie that feels like a blockbuster, but it's coming to Apple TV. It's Causeway. And, uh. Oh, I guess we don't have the... Uh, do we have the uh, the trailer for that? Uh, no, it's The Return of Tanya Tucker. Oh, oh, the, yeah. oh, well, let's go to The Return of Tanya Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> How about The Return of Tanya Tucker? How about that one? I want this record to be a renaissance period in her life. I got a chorus that I was bringing my flowers now while I'm living. 
that's as far as I got with it. We can write it and put it well, on yeah. this record. Like, that, that belongs on this record. My dad looked across the table at me when I was about nine years old. And he says, Tanya, do you want to stay here for the rest of your life here in Wilcox, or do you want to go be a star? And I said, well, Daddy, that's not much of a choice. I want to be a star. Wow, that, that looks interesting. And a lot of people uh, probably don't remember Tanya Tucker, but she was uh, red hot for a long time in country music. Yeah, she was huge. She was a, a big name in country music. Uh, she was a, a favorite of a lot of the heavyweights in country. I mean, she is consistently known as Loretta Lynn's girl, like her one of her favorites. And um, a, a, a musician whose career was kind of cut short by transitioning and wanting to do something different, wanting to do some rock and roll. And then, of course, Nashville and, and the country elite kind of gave her the cold shoulder. Uh, but this film is basically about um, producer and, and musician Brandy Carlisle writing a song for Tanya Tucker to kind of bring her out and see if she can uh, she can record a, a song with one of her heroes uh, and ends up kind of snowballing into something bigger, which uh, lends to Tanya making the song "Bring Me My Flowers." I uh, bring my flowers now, which was nominated for uh, a Grammy for best song as well as best country song, which she ended up winning her first Grammy win in her entire career. So uh, I, I want—I don't want to say this is a comeback movie because Tanya states in the movie herself that she hates the word comeback, but it, it feels like a, a track to redemption for sure. Right. And it's a kind of a cool story because, in a way, Tanya Tucker, it sort of reminds me a little bit of Miley Cyrus because she Mm -hmm. was a country singer. And, you know, uh, Miley Cyrus was sort of a a TV country star in a way. But then she wanted to be more of a pop star and be sort of be more sexual about things. And and back in the 70s, I, I think it sort of worked and it didn't work. It was uh, interesting. Yeah, and I, I mean, now I will fully admit that I'm a huge Miley Cyrus fan, especially that Plastic Hearts album that just came out. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, well, there you go. And Brandy Carlisle. She, she, uh, she, amazing. She's also been instrumental in helping Joni Mitchell make a comeback. Yes, on that tour now, too, That which is just seems amazing. Yeah, and so the next movie we're going to talk about, it's kind of a small indie movie. I think not a lot of people have heard about this one. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You were here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, a.k.a. Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage the expectations. Yeah, I remember when that movie came out, I just expected the terrible reviews. I thought critics mm-hmm. like you, Steve Stebbing, would just be all over it. But I did not hear the negative reviews. I heard nothing but good things about this movie. And, and I, I mean, not only good things, but I think it's one. I think it could be the best movie this year. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a few movies vying for that title, uh, but Top Gun is definitely in the running, almost neck and neck with all of them. Uh, and dare say, I think this movie's better than the original. Really? 
personally saying, yeah, I, I, I know it's taken a long time for us to get to the point of getting a sequel to Top, Top Gun. I feel like it's been in gestation for, for a solid decade and a half of like, when is this movie coming? And then COVID chokes it out for getting the theatrical experience for a bit, gets delayed almost two years. And when it finally comes out, there's so much anticipation be- behind it. And it exceeds expectations. Uh, Tom Cruise and Joseph Kaczynski have made something really incredible that isn't just a nostalgia run, but something that celebrates the nostalgia and builds off it as well. And I think that's what the key points to why Maverick is such a great film. So now that's just being released on Blu-ray. Yes. So yeah. And 4K, which is just exquisite. Yeah. And maybe there will be some extra scenes that will explain what country they're fighting. <laughs> in a very Star Wars um, storyline, because they're like looking to bomb an exhaust vent and everything, like it's very <laughs> blow up the Death Star. But you're able to kind of compartmentalize that because, I mean, this the movie around it is so good, and that third act is white knuckle stuff. Like dig your fingernails into your seat just to hang on. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to television uh, season four of titans the temple of azarat is now yours welcome to the ancient world mr luther soon the gods will know your name i can assure you the gods already know me connor this is lex luther i'd like to meet in person luther got caught up in the occult he's the only man bruce wayne was ever afraid of Superman's not afraid of him. Neither am I. You should be. It's good that the superheroes, there's just not enough of them around. (laughs) I know that's facetiously there. (laughs) Um, But there's something about the DC HBO Max shows that just really works. And I mean, I would even say a large part of the CW shows work as well. Um, But Titans is a show that, I mean, it takes a classic group like the Teen Titans, you know, Robin, Starfire, and and et cetera, et cetera. And it makes them a bit grittier, a bit harder edge, not quite R-rated, but heavily leaning into the 14A. And, I mean, it works. And this season, uh, the first part of season four here, uh, we get the big bad uh, in Lex Luthor arriving in the form of uh, Deadwood actor uh, Titus Welliver. Uh, and I mean, a great character actor playing an iconic villain is just all kinds of, uh, fireworks there. And now with James Gunn, uh, jumping in to kind of take over the, uh, the cinematic universe of of DC, I think shows like this might become the norm, like well-written and good character shows. So, uh, hopefully Titans and, and the other show, uh, Doom Patrol, uh, kind of keep rolling. Right, right. And uh, also a show I'm really looking forward to, a comedy uh, from the people who brought you Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Superstore, and it's got J.B. Smoove from Curb Your Enthusiasm in it, Blockbuster. Look, there's no easy way to say this. Seven more blockbusters just closed. You're officially the last one on Earth. I uh, don't love the pattern that's starting to emerge. Hello? Come on. I'm the last man standing. How am I supposed to be the next Tarantino if I don't work in a video store? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what's holding you back. No one's going anywhere because everything is under control. <laughs> that's reassuring. Let's just act like one of your favorite bosses from a movie. Like Boss Baby or Devil's Advocate? 
One of those is a baby and one is Satan. And look at the heights they reach despite their circumstances. Hmm, fair. So, Steve Stebbing, tell me that one works. Uh, I mean, it works on the shoulders of Randall Park, uh, Melissa Fumero, and J.B. Smooth. The, 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 the veterans uh, in, in comedy are the ones that keep it afloat. I, I will say that the, 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 the more unknown char- uh, actors in this one, I'm just I, I'm not getting behind their scenes. And I'm only a few episodes into it, but I've just, I, I, I'm waiting for it to click. I, I think that there's some some kind of tongue-in-cheek irony about Netflix putting a show out about the last blockbuster, though. I just yeah, that has to be said. This is <laughs> this is it's just kind of like presenting the severed head of your enemy. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. Uh, blockbuster is on Netflix. 